This episode of How to Specify is brought to you by Interface, a worldwide commercial flooring company and global leader in sustainability. There's no doubt the coronavirus has impacted every aspect of our society, especially how we think about the built environment. Now more than ever, we must create a sense of physical and psychological safety in our designs, and modular flooring from Interface can play a key role in that. The visual cues provided by modular flooring can create boundaries, zones, and movement throughout a space, connecting us and keeping us safe. Design for resiliency. Design for well-being. Design with Interface. To learn more, visit interface.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the I Hear Design podcast. I'm your host, Robert Yeminen, and we are not only in the back stretch of 2020, thankfully, but we're also coming toward the end of our How to Specify series that we launched earlier this year. If you're new to product specification or just want to find out more uh, on the most up-to-date information on various product categories like furniture, lighting, uh, carpet, and more, then you're in the right place. And for this episode, we're going to get laser focused and talk not only about fabrics, but specifically how to specify upholstery fabrics in healthcare settings and all the nuances that are involved in those considerations. So I've invited a few experts on the subject to walk us through the process. And joining me today are Joe Kilby, Assistant Director for ACT, uh, the Association of Contract Textiles, uh, John Rowan, President Rowan Consulting Group and member of the ACT Executive Board, as well as Eduardo Elizondo, uh, Vice President of Operations at Momentum Textiles and Wall Coverings and member of the ACT Executive Board as well. Guys, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know we've got a lot of ground to cover and this is a pretty detailed topic. So uh, why don't we just jump right in and just uh, as a starting point for those listeners who may not be familiar with ACT and its mission, uh, can you talk about the organization, uh, its work and how it can help interior designers in specifying textiles? Joe, if you want to take that one, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll lead with this one. Thanks, Robert. Um, ACT was founded actually in 1985 as a professional trade association, and it's actually uh, comprised of companies involved in design, development, and production and promotion of textiles for commercial interiors. ACT's uh, mission is to promote the value of contract textiles and to serve as the definitive resource for contract textile information and education. Um, we provide, we do a lot of in-depth research and we benefit the architectural and design community as well as our, uh, the association, our own membership. Right, right. Uh, John and Eddie, did you want to add anything to that? Sure, um, this is Eddie. John, um, and uh, I, I think that, you know, I mean, as, uh, as, as Joe stated, our, our mission is to, uh, to be a, a, a resource for um, designers and specifiers um, related to all things um, involving textiles and, and, and specifying textiles. Um, and, you know, this is something that uh, is extremely important. Uh, we, we get uh, comments all the time, questions all the time uh, from uh, various designers uh, about these kinds of issues. And uh, it's, it's, it's really important uh, that there is a place um, where designers and specifiers can uh, get that information and, 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 and trust it and rely on it. Um, and uh, certainly a big part of uh, the mission of our association. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is Eddie, and you know some of those educational resources are practical guides and information, specification guides, um, textile tutorials, white papers, CEUs, 
a glossary of textile terms. You know, there's a lot of helpful resources that we're uh, providing to designers um, and that are available through ACT. Yeah, definitely. And um, just for our listeners, uh, towards the end of the, the podcast here, we'll, we'll point you guys to uh, their website where you can find some of these uh, resources that they just mentioned uh, that, are, that are really helpful in terms of uh, product specification. Um, you know, during a recent webinar presentation that ACT gave on specifying upholstery fabric for healthcare settings, uh, there was an interesting question that uh, was posed by an audience member uh, asking essentially why there's so many different tests that measure the same thing, uh, or I think that's how they phrased it. Uh, Eddie, can you comment on that question uh, for our listeners? Sure, Robert. Yeah, uh, you know, to me, this really comes back to ACT's mission and purpose. Uh, part of which certainly is to eliminate confusion in the marketplace over these different tests that uh, may be out there and that help designers um, and to help really designers access and understand the most important information. Um, so, you know, ACT really has a unique way of um, creating this information uh, we, and creating comprehensive and up-to-date guidelines. Uh, because we really work with a broad range of inputs and industry experts to develop these. We include um, uh, so many parties uh, that we really feel that this leads to the most kind of rigorous, best researched and most well-vetted results. Uh, Our membership not only includes companies that design, market and sell textiles, but, you know, textile mills, furniture manufacturers, uh, yarn suppliers, fiber companies, finishers, uh, testing labs, you know, all, it's a really a broad spectrum of, of input. And so once we develop those guidelines, um, our goal is to help educate the design community on these issues. And we do that in a variety of ways for all the different maybe appetites for information that are out there. So on the, for the designer who just needs a broad overview, doesn't have time for all the details, just needs to know that they're getting, you know, a quality contract textile they can look for the six logos that uh, we have. And, you know, those logos should be present on any sampling out in the marketplace. And those logos represent flammability, crocking, color fastness to light, abrasion, and physical properties like pilling. And the sixth logo is a sustainability logo that's called FAX. Um, so if a product contains those logos, a desire, designer knows they've met the, the guideline requirements without necessarily having to memorize each test. Mm-hmm. But then for the designer who really wants the details, wants to know what the specific tests are and why we use them and what they do, we have that information available on our website. And so in this way, we're hoping to, to help minimize the confusion out there and give uh, the design community something easy to understand. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, and to that point, um, you know, speaking of guidelines, uh, during the webinar, ACT talked about how you recently introduced new guidelines and tests for specifying coated upholstery fabric in healthcare environments. So, you know, kind of just to dig a little bit deeper there, what was the impetus for creating uh, those new resources specifically? Um, Eddie, you want to cover that as well? Sure. Um, you know, well, as, as I just mentioned, you know, the mechanism of really inviting this broad range of industry members to the table really helps ACT stay at the forefront of evolving issues. And certainly that was the case here and, and, and why we believe so strongly in this process. But we had heard from you know, numerous members that specifiers, facilities, and even furniture manufacturers were really had a need for clear and detailed guidance regarding the selection and use of coated fabrics in stringent healthcare environments. Um, you know, as we all know, the most rigorous demands of on coated fabrics are the frequent cleaning, uh, sanitizing, and disinfecting that take place 
in those settings because they're required, uh, healthcare facilities are required to comply with CDC requirements. And certainly, you know, uh, coated fabrics such as vinyls, polyurethanes, and silicones um, that are smooth and non-permeable can be suitable upholstery options, but they're definitely soft surface materials and they can adversely be affected by hard surface cleaners um, and which are typically used in these environments. Yeah. And so that was kind of the, the charge presented to us. You know, there's this issue out in the marketplace that we really need help and guidance on. You know, how can we, um, what can we do to help make sure we're specifying the right materials? Mm -hmm. And so ACT began um, attempting to answer uh, these questions and help provide guidance to the design community. Uh, as early as 2015, we started this work. Okay, great. And Joe, could you, can you talk to our listeners a little bit about what these new guidelines specifically cover? Yes, I can. This uh, guideline, which is now published on the ACT website, uh, is, uh, includes um, actually five, second, five sections. I'm going to speak a little bit. I'm going to um, sort of dovetail into a little bit of what Eddie said. So the first section uh, that the guideline covers is durability and performance basics. And of course, that um, does go back and um, uh, cover the ACT guidelines for coated fabrics. Um, and just talks about uh, the tests that are used um, to uh, ensure that the product will perform um, at, to the to expectation uh, in the environment that it's placed in. The second section is cleaning, sanitizing, and disinfecting. Um, these uh, recommendations uh, include um, looking at these uh, important tests uh, that test the product for resistance to chemicals. Of course, it's not just cleaning, it's will the product withstand being exposed to this, these chemicals on a daily basis. Um, also tests used to assess stain removal. Um, and there are stains that um, are specific to healthcare environments and also uh, an assessment to determine if the product will be resistant to denim transfer. The third section is considerations for furniture design and manufacturing. And here we make recommendations on how to interface with the textile company and the furniture company to talk about, um, to look at what um, needs to be thought about as you specify furniture and add the uh, coated fabric to it. The fourth section is material ingredients and chemical transparency. Um, and the most important takeaway here is that when you're looking at a, a sustainability criteria, um, perhaps something like Healthy Hospital Initiative, or any of the other um, sustainability um, criteria that are out there. Um, the important thing here is to not overlook performance and cleaning uh, requirements for that product in the environment. And the fifth section, um, which um, really is a sort of a summary section of this paper, is where to get information. And what it does is it helps you know um, in the, that, those first four sections, who is the holder of that information? Who do I reach out to to get that information to help streamline that process as a, as a designer, as you research a product and uh, as you consider that product for specification? Yeah. Okay, great. 
Well, you know, one of the things that, that I think also came up during the webinar uh, was about, um, you know, adherence to some of these guidelines. So like if a product uh, does meet uh, the guidelines and the tests, uh, does that necessarily guarantee that a product won't fail in the field? And if not, like why do fa fabrics not always seem to perform as intended in real world uh, healthcare applications? And more importantly, how can designers sort of avoid these costly failures? Um, John, do you want to kind of tackle that one? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I think that uh, as as we've this uh, Joe uh, and and Eddie have just been talking about. I mean, these guidelines and tests that uh, that ACT has developed, um, uh, you know, definitely uh, provide uh, a good bit of of, of way of, of assessing the um, predicted uh, performance of of materials based on being subjected to certain conditions and and cleaners and disinfectants and so forth. Um, however, um, those are the tests that take place in a controlled laboratory environment, and um, you know, which means that uh, things are, are done in a very consistent way. The uh, cleaners and disinfectants and so forth are applied in accordance with the, the dilution recommended dilution rate and application guidelines and so forth, including rinsing the material after those things are applied. Um, but you have to look at how that contrasts with what actually happens uh, within a healthcare facility, uh, because there are various other things that come into play uh, when you're actually talking about real world. And you know those are things such as the uh, the furniture design uh, itself um, and the uh, seaming and upholstery details. Um, for instance, uh, you can have sharp corners on on a particular seating design, or you can have raised seams that create um, friction points uh, for that are more susceptible to abrasion. Uh, so these are things that contribute to um, product performance issues uh, in real life um, that are not accounted for in, you know, again, the laboratory testing. And then there are environmental factors um, that are specific to, to a, a facility and even, you know, just a specific area within a facility. Um, uh, one of the things that, uh, again, not accounted for necessarily in, in laboratory testing is, is the entire range of uh, products um, that uh, are actually brought into the environment by patients and their visitors. Um, and, you know, what we're referring to here are things like hand sanitizers that somebody might have in their pocket or in their purse, um, hair care products that, uh, that end up being uh, transferred onto the material, cosmetics, um, even things like suntan lotion uh, can uh, be factors that uh, are not necessarily accounted for in a laboratory, but can very much have impact on the materials in, in a real life uh, situation. So, you know, the idea of there being guidelines that will, uh, won't guarantee that the product will not fail it's not particularly realistic, um, and so what I think designers need to do is uh, work with uh, the uh, fabric suppliers, uh, the furniture manufacturers, um, the, the individuals who are involved in environmental services and so forth within the hospital um, to look at all of these various factors, not only the things that are measured by the laboratory tests, but the things that are, that are also assessed, can be assessed uh, by looking at the um, facility-specific uh, circumstances um, as well. Right. Yeah. Very good points there, uh, John. Thanks for clarifying. Uh, an another topic that came up during the webinar was on the uh, field testing. And someone had asked why ACT historically uh, didn't promote field testing, but now seemingly is recommending it. Uh, John, can you clarify ACT's position on, on that? 
Uh, yes, I mean we we um, obviously this is a, this is a, a learning curve for for all involved, not only specifiers and designers, but uh, material um, manufacturers and distributors uh, as well. Um, you know, the uh, we're not dealing with a static situation here. The 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 conditions, the uh, uh, cleaners and disinfectants, um, and various other cleaning types of, of, of uh, and disinfecting systems and so forth, things like ultraviolet. Um, and 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 so forth. Um, these are all things that are evolving over time, and circumstances are changing. And as we uh, go out into the field and, and investigate and examine uh, product performance issues, uh, we are learning things. Um, and uh, what we are learning is that our test, uh, what we have learned is that our testing in the laboratory uh, goes a certain way. Uh, toward uh, predicted uh, performance um, in, in a healthcare environment, but that, quite frankly, just as I was re referring to a, few, a minute or two ago, uh, there are specific, uh, facility-specific environmental um, uh, issues uh, that are ne not necessarily accounted for in, in that laboratory testing, and the only way to account for them is to actually field test the material in the specific location um, on the furniture where it's going to be applied um, for a period of time in order to uh, account for all of those facility-specific factors um, that are not necessarily accounted for in, in the laboratory. And so, yes, we have, we have come to a point where we've seen enough of these performance issues and, 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 uh, and gained enough understanding of the, um, the uh, facility-specific uh, factors um, that we now believe that it is indeed necessary to not only look at the laboratory test performance, but also to do um, some field testing of the material. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned, I mean, how things are changing so much. And obviously uh, the pandemic has been a huge factor in that. And it's really placed uh, cleaning and disinfection at the forefront of everybody's mind. Um, uh, Joe, could you maybe talk a little bit about the proper cleaning protocols for, for uh, upholstered fabrics and, and, and answer the question of, of can they really be completely disinfected according to CDC standards and, and how that is possible? This is a big question, Robert, and an important one. Um, and th there are sort of two parts. There are two parts to this question and it's proper cleaning protocols. Um, so I think the, the big issue, of course, when we start talking about proper cleaning protocols is um, any designer uh, or facility need, or when you're designing for a facility, you need to understand what's going to be going on in that facility when the product is uh, be going to be cleaned, uh, sanitized, or disinfected within that facility, and what products are they going to be using to do that? Um, and that is um, really probably the number one, um, probably job one is to determine what's going to be being used there. And it's not just a question of the, the coated fabric that's on the furniture, but it's everything in that room. And what I think some of what we learned is that um, you need to take a, a very hard look at um, what cleaners are being used and are they appropriate to be used um, for um, on a coated fabric. And to that point, when it comes to uh, CDC, the CDC, and complete disinfection, um, coated fabrics are considered soft surfaces. And the CDC recognizes that so it is not possible to completely disinfect a soft surface. You can sanitize a soft surface, 
um, but you can't really uh, actually disinfect it. Uh, whereas there are uh, expectations in a facility that other surfaces need to be completely disinfected. So there's a there's some tension here um, uh, in this idea uh, of disinfection in a healthcare facility. And I'm going to turn the floor over, I think, to Eddie and John to add to this a little bit, because I think there's a lot more yeah. that can be said here. Yeah, I think uh, this, John. I think um, you know, as we are all uh, witnessing uh, on a almost daily basis, uh, you know, research uh, is being done uh, related to this pandemic and the virus, and 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 new information is coming out, uh, you know, regularly uh, as as we learn more and more and more. And quite frankly, uh, you know, we we are probably looking at a situation where the majority of our our learnings and 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 information about this uh, particular uh, pandemic and the virus is is going to be in the rearview mirror, um, and and will be coming forth, um, you know, over time, um, over the next several years, uh, really. So, um, you know, I think that uh, we we don't really know enough uh, at this moment to say anything definitive about um, this particular issue as it relates to textiles and. Um, you know how, how much of a transfer point are they for the transmission of this 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 virus, and what kind of things should or could be done uh, to uh, to deal with that issue, uh, whether it's you know antimicrobial treatments or whether or, or antiviral treatments or, or anything of the sort um, that could be uh, uh, beneficial. Uh, but we simply just don't uh, know enough yet uh, to be able to say anything more definitive about it. Yeah, this is Eddie. Uh, you know, just to tack on to what both Joe and John have covered so well, you know, the information out there is evolving. And, you know, one thing that I think is important to note is, um, you know, that we know now that the virus that is causing COVID-19 is mainly spreading through respiratory droplets um, and that the chance of transmission through surfaces is less than originally thought. Um, so not that this is not a, this is still obviously a big topic. Information is evolving. Uh, you know, we're all have to kind of keep up to date on what that new information is as it as it occurs. But um, you know, the the idea that of surfaces um, being su such a hot hot button issue is maybe a little less now than it was at the very beginning of this pandemic. Right. Yeah. Definitely. That's a good point, Eddie. So um, for our listeners out there, is there like an or overarching message that ACT uh, you know wants to communicate uh, in the design community about? Uh, about the organization or its new healthcare tests and guidelines, um, John Reddy, uh, you want to care to weigh in on that? Uh, yeah, I, I think that um, you know what we are attempting to do is respond to um, you know many, many, many requests and, and a great deal of feedback that we have received um, from specifiers out in the market, um, and for uh, more information, more, more, more guidance. Um, and uh, there is a lot of confusion. There is a lot of conflicting, sometimes even information out there. Um, I think what, uh, you know, again, going back to the beginning here, uh, what we talked about that in terms of ACT's mission, um, you know, we, our mission is to, is, to, is to do exhaustive research and study of these, these issues and then to come forward with um, the best particular guidance we uh, we we can we can provide uh, to to designers. Um, and certainly, you know, we're talking about an industry uh, association, a textile industry association that has been 
uh, at this for, for, for over 35 years now. Uh, we have a great deal of uh, accumulated knowledge and experience uh, related to, to these issues, um, and it's continuously evolving, and we will continue um, to, to provide uh, further guidance um, and going forward as, as, as uh, new issues develop and as new information becomes available. Um, you know, ACT is a, is a great resource uh, for the specifiers community. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and this is Eddie. You know, I, I, I agree with everything John has said. You know, I, I really hope designers and, and listeners um, leave with the idea that ACT is a resource um, to help answer their questions and that we have and provide a broader range of educational tools and resources that they can access directly on our site if they're ever looking to do a little, uh, you know, research on their own. Um, and that these issues are consistently evolving and so is ACT to provide updated guidance and we do that really with a very broad and deep um, input of industry members and textile experts and input from end users and specifiers to make sure that what we're providing is a very uh, thoroughly researched and vetted, you know, uh, answer. And, you know, I hope that they leave um, this podcast kind of having confidence in that and seeking out uh, ACT for that information. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of that, well, where they can find you guys, uh, Joe, where can listeners go to find some of these resources that we've talked about today? Yeah, um, pretty easily. Uh, actually, if you uh, do a Google search, you can do Association for Contract Textiles, and you'll find us pretty right, right, readily. And again, do Association for Contract Textiles, and you'll get to us. Uh, if you Google ACT, you're going to find all kinds of stuff and not us. So just do Association for Contract Textiles. Yeah. But that website is www.contracttextiles, all one word, .org. Again, contracttextiles, all one word, .org. We also have an Instagram um, uh, account, and that's act.org. Again, Instagram, act.org. And also do Association for Contract Textiles on LinkedIn, and you'll find um, all of our regular posts on LinkedIn. So please follow us um, on uh, LinkedIn and Instagram, and do there, you'll find a tremendous amount, as we've all said, tremendous amount of resources on our website. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for all that information and for sharing your insights with our listeners, guys. I know they appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Well, great. Well, for our listeners out there, you can check out previous episodes of our How to Specify series on our website. So if you want to brush up on other top uh, products, be sure to head over to interiorsandsources.com and check back later this month for our final installation of the How to Specify series, during which we'll be talking about the ins and outs of specking uh, ceramic and porcelain tile. Well, that's it for now. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, be well, everyone.